Well, um, should we um, should we jump into this? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. All right. Let me let me get my intro together. Here we go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Welcome to Speaking from Water, episode nineteen, the show that brings you water lovers and water professionals. I'm here with Pastor John Rutke. He is also my uncle. I love him very much. And he is going to enlighten us today about water and religion and the Bible and how it relates to Christianity and to our spiritual world. And Johnny, welcome. Thanks, Sean. So good to see you. Man, what a what a thrill it was for me to get a text from you. Sean, why don't you tell these guys how this all happened, how you came up with this? Uh, well, it kind of just came out of the blue. I was, uh, you know, three in the morning, laying in bed thinking, I need to speak with Johnny because he is <laughs> the man and he knows something about this, this uh, matter of a fact. And um, I, I woke up the next day, I had to swim the pool and I went, I went for it. I, I, hit, I hit you up on the text message and I, I loaded up some questions for you. Um, very, um, you know, we're, we're going to get deep here, but it's, uh, it's water is, is fundamental to my spiritual life. And, mm -hmm. um, I, I'm, you know, full disclosure, not a evangelical Christian like yourself. Um, but I, I am very spiritual and, and you are, um, an expert in the Bible. Um, and you will, um, you will let me know what I need to know about water and and the Bible and how water has become um, so influential. Because through my research, I've found that water keeps coming up and up and up um, in the Bible. And mm -hmm. I would like to know more about, from your perspective, why that is, how that is, and um, where why that why that's the case. I have an intuition because mm -hmm. uh, obviously we all um, we all need water. Uh, we need to look at it. We need to be in it. We need to drink it. Um, it's it's a basis for our survival. Uh, but where where um, where it lies in in the text that you're an expert in, uh, I would like to um, explore more. Yeah, no, that's great, Sean. Yeah, there, and you sent me a boat, boatload of questions or talking points, and it, man, it was like really awesome that you're thinking through this process, you know. And I would say that probably the community that is going to be most drawn to this uh, podcast would be surfers, people that are you know, involved in that kind of community. And that community has a propensity to be much more spiritual than just your regular type of group of people. I don't know what it is. I, you know, if it's just the whole thing of being out in the water and you know that creation, you're in touch with creation, you know, like in a very tangible way, you know, where there's a momentum that carries you when you're surfing and, you know, this didn't all just happen. There's a, there's a person behind all of this of creation. There's a creator behind creation. And so consequently, I hear specifically, I'm, you're calling me or we're doing the Zoom call. I'm in San Diego, you're in North Carolina. And so you're on one coast, I'm on the other coast. And so I'm very familiar with surf communities. I'm very familiar. All my kids are surfers, you know, uh, as you all know. And, uh, and so, you know, they're, that group of people have a, a tendency to be far more spiritual than the regular 
average person, you know, because they're so in touch with that, with water of all things. So I'm sure that whoever's watching this has a, uh, you know, a, a penchant to be open spiritually, just like you are, Sean, even though full disclosure, you're not an evangelical Christian. I, I don't know if I'm thrown into that category or not. I could care less. I'm a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, a son of God. Oh, come on, people. Don't make me stop preaching. <laughs> bring it, Johnny. So, bring it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of like one of those deals. But um, yeah, man. So I'm just really honored to be here with you, Sean. And we haven't seen one another for how long? We, we haven't. Uh, I think it was right before COVID, maybe at Molly's house when you guys yeah. were in town. Yeah, right. Because you, yeah. you, you came for Cassie's funeral and we, we missed that. And um, unfortunately, we missed your trip last year, last summer. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. But, but anyway, it's, it's been good a, to see a long you. time. And yeah, it's you, great hey, hey, let me just right. say, you, you look great. <laughs> Thanks, bro. Appreciate that. Yeah. And I feel good. You know, it's all it's all good. And I've been I've been traveling quite a bit. Um, we have these things called Jesus gatherings. I am sensing for myself um, that we're to go back to very organic roots. I came out of an, a, a very powerful move of God back in the 70s. It was called the Jesus movement. And being on the West Coast, and you know, you weren't born at the time. I came out here and hitchhiked across the country. It was the hippie time period. So I hitchhiked across the country uh, as a Buddhist. And when I left home, I was a Buddhist, very devout Buddhist led the most of the family into Buddhism. All my friends became Buddhists. You know, I was very persuasive and hitchhiked across the country. And as I, I found uh, that I had no idea that there was a move of God happening in California called the Jesus movement. And it was having tremendous impact on the whole coast of California. And uh, there, there was a movie out that just came out and I was talking to you about it called Jesus Revolution. What that's about that, movement that happened and literally hundreds and hundreds of thousands of young people i was young at the time i was 20 years old got saved and one fell swoop you know it's so interesting i walked up to the campus one day and i was asking questions because i was a religious studies major in college and i was a buddhist and i went out to uh, the West Coast to actually play football at a college. And um, I had to, uh, I started to run into people that were born again Christians. I never heard that term before. Didn't know what that meant, but they were coming into, into my life and they were speaking into my life. Uh, they were hippies. I was a hippie, they were hippies. They were cool, they didn't smoke weed, I did. But they were like, I could relate to them. I could relate to them culturally. I could relate to them on many different levels. And uh, they were telling me that, you know, having just very powerful discussions about what I believed and my ideology and what they believed. I believe that there's many ways to God and that this is kind of like the proverbial spokes to the hub of a wheel and that there are many ways to God. And I was just on one of those paths to enlightenment, so to speak. It was the time when, uh, you know, the hippie time period. So there was a lot of like openness, spiritualist hunger, you know, uh, you know, there was a revolution culturally that was happening. So pretty much what I see right now, you know, it's very similar in many respects. 
except drugs came into our deal. And so specifically hallucinogenics. And so when, you know, you start to progress up the line of the different types of drugs, well, hallucinogenics gets you into a supernatural realm illegally. For some people, it blew their minds out and they never came back from it. Uh, for me, it was just like, oh, wow, there is a spiritual dimension here. And uh, I knew that there was more to our existence than just this, what we were doing. So anyways, consequently, I met a lot of people that loved Jesus and they were talking to me about Jesus. And uh, it, it started to influence me uh, a little bit. Uh, and so I started to uh, ask some of the deeper questions. I was a religious studies major, like I said. So one day I was crying out to God and I didn't know who God was at that time. I, of course, I have a foundation of who Jesus Christ was, you know, raised Catholic in a Catholic school, all of those kinds of things. But I found no reality at all in that uh, as far as really having a relationship with Jesus. So it brought me to a place where I thought it was just, you know, I couldn't go along with that narrative. So I started to ask the deeper questions like Buddha, Muhammad, Yogananda, Confucius, all of these types of people never claimed to be God, never claimed to be the enlightened ones. And I, of course, knew who Jesus was, but Jesus, I knew, would not necessarily, uh, I, I heard somebody say it like this, one's morality is one's theology is often governed by one's morality. And so I kind of stayed away from the whole thing with Jesus. And so one day I'm walking up onto the campus of the college that I was going to, and Pascal, who was a French philosopher said, inside all of us is this God-shaped vacuum that is crying out to God, you know, that nothing can satisfy that, that vacuum that's in us except for God. And so I was, crying out to God of the universe, because I didn't know exactly who he was. Who are you and what are you? I need to know who, you need to tell me who you are. That's how that conversation went in my mind, going up onto that campus that day. And so I came up to the campus and I'm hanging out with my boys, all the football team on the quad at that college. And a guy comes up to me and says, it's Jesus Christ, that's who you're looking for. And you need to surrender your life to him. And right in front of all my friends. And that's what I did. I surrender. I said, Jesus Christ, of course it's Jesus. He died. He rose from the dead. Of course. How could I have missed that? And so I got what is a term born again at that particular point in time. Things started to happen. Things started to happen over my life. It was, it was 50 years ago. I mean, it's crazy, isn't it? So anyways, so I've been walking with the Lord ever since. So all right. Sorry, man. Didn't need, didn't No, need no, that no. Um, that, that leads me directly into my first water question. Mm -hmm. So you and many others, when you become born again, there's mm -hmm. the, um, the baptism that occurs. Mm -hmm. Correct. Yes. And water, water is a key feature of this, of this practice. And I would like to know why. You know, there, there's uh, last week, or no, three weeks ago, I was asked to come to a place up in Southern California, right by your, your cousin Justin's house. And it's called Pirate's Cove. Literally tens of thousands of people got baptized at Pirate's Cove. 
it was like the threshold. It was like you cross the line going into Pirate's Cove, which is the uh, little inlet of the Pacific Ocean. And literally, because there were so many of us getting saved, they wanted people got baptized there. <clears throat> and what baptism is, is simply really relating to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And it's going being dunked in water. And we, we, the way that we're doing it now is we do many, many baptisms because there's many, many people coming to Jesus right now. And we make it like a threshold. We t we, I tell people all the time, this, this is a declaration of war against the powers of darkness. And because Jesus said that you must be born again, that was the first thing. And he said, if you get born again, you need to get baptized. It's part of the Great Commission. Go into all the world, preach the gospel, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's out of the book of Matthew at the end of the last chapter. And so uh, making disciples of all nations. And so we put a strong emphasis on baptism. And when we tell people what this represents, it is, it is crossing a threshold for your life declaring to the powers of darkness, you no longer rule over me. I am now following Jesus because outside of Jesus, you really have the devil ruling over you. If you're not born again, uh, you are still in alignment with the powers of darkness. Your spirit must be born again. And even before we get into this baptism thing, Jesus himself meets with one of the religious leaders of that day. This is in John chapter three, and his name was Nicodemus. And this is where the whole term born again comes from. And let, let me just read it to you. It's, it's well worth me uh, even just sharing this thought with you. Is that okay, Sean? Absolutely. This is yeah. So Yeah. So it, it, this is uh, Jesus speaking to one of the religious leaders. And he says, Jesus answers him. And he says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, this is that term born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So unless you're born again, you can't even perceive that word see is to perceive the kingdom of God. You know, there's a power of darkness that's working in our in our world. And there's the power of God that's working in our world also. So they're in direct opposition to one another. When you cast out demons, which I've done a lot of that lately, uh, you start to see these powers clashing with one another. You really start to see that there's the power of darkness and the power of God. So he goes on and he says, Jesus answered and said, I say to you, unless one is born of water, here it comes. This is verse five. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say, unless one is born of water. Well, I'm sorry. Let me just go back to verse four. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? This is a legitimate question. Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb? This is the whole question behind you must be born again. Jesus answered him and says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, and the spirit. So what does that mean? Well, you, you're born a natural birth and it water when you're here, she broke her water. That means the baby's coming. Okay. So you're born of water, but then you have to be born of the spirit. I saw a bumper sticker the other day. It was so interesting. It says <clears throat> born once, die twice, born twice, die once. See, there's an eternal perspective here. 
So unless you're born again, you cannot perceive or you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So you have to, and what does that term mean? It means to recognize that Jesus Christ is the son of God, that he died for your sins, and that you must receive him. You must, you must believe in him. You know, it's that simple. Turn away from your sins, walk away from it, repent, and follow Jesus. That's all I did. I just simply did that. And so I was born of water because I'm a physical person, but I got born of the spirit also. And I, I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Boom, got born again. It was that simple. It was not a complicated thing. Then I went on, got baptized in water, which you're asking that question. This is a very powerful threshold because it's a public statement to the powers of darkness. It's a public statement to the body of Christ. And you're saying to the Lord Jesus in front of a group of people, I'm following Jesus from here on out. That's why Pirate's Cove was such a big deal for us back in the day in the Jesus movement. Because everybody was making that statement and saying, I'm in. And that's kind of like jumping in with both feet. That's the best way I can put it. And we see tremendous amount of things happening, Sean. We've seen powerful deliverances come off of people where there's been spiritual strongholds over people. And, it, and as people have gotten baptized in water, demons have come off of them as a result of that, as their commitment to Jesus. It's very powerful. Can you um, give me a, a story of a particular story of this uh, happening? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was um, I was down in Colombia in South America and uh, <coughs> we were we were re reaching out into the, the ghetto in, in uh, Cartagena, which is the capital of Colombia. And we're just moving on the streets and praying for people, bringing people to Jesus, casting out a bunch of demons. So anyways, we we had a bunch of people that needed to get baptized at the uh, in the ocean there in the Caribbean. So we're walking down to the beach to baptize all these kids. And as we're walking down the street, I have this guy who wants to sell us water on the beach. And so I told one of the kids, hey, let's give him the living water, which we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Okay. okay? Yeah. And you saw that on my list. Yeah. That's where I was going next. Yeah. So, so yeah, we're going to talk about that living have, water here. I said, let's give him the real living water. You know, he's going to give us physical water. So we bought his water. And I said to one of the kids, because he was bilingual, let's let's uh, share Jesus with him and get him saved. So we're preaching the gospel to him, telling him what's happening with Jesus. And he says, oh, I need Jesus. The kid says, I need Jesus. So he accepts Jesus and, and uh says, I believe in Jesus. I want to walk with Jesus. I said, well, here's the water. I just baptized a bunch of people. Can I baptize you? He said, okay. So we take the kid in the water. I saw a demon on him before I went into the water. And I, it's so interesting. I got a video of this. Somebody was taking the video of just the kid getting baptized, you know? And so um, we I take the kid in the water and I'm thinking to myself, man, this demon needs to come out of this guy. So I'm trying to explain to him what's about ready to happen to him, that God is going to free him from the powers of darkness as he commits his life to Jesus. And he needs to make a declaration 
to the powers of darkness in this baptism, I renounce you. So I may, I had him do that. And I, I did it through an interpreter. One of the kids was doing it for me. So I baptized the kid. And as I baptizing him, he came up out of the water like a marlin. I could hardly hold him. And this demon started manifesting as I'm holding his arm. And this demon just started just, you know, screaming and riling and wrenching his body and contorting his body. All the kids that I just baptized went running out of the water. It was hysterical. And so, um, so he gets delivered from these demons. And I have this all on video. Uh, and I'm gonna, and, I'll put the link below on this tape. Okay. Yeah. For those listening. All right. And so I, I, this kid gets delivered from the demons and I take him onto the sand. I laid hands on him and the baptism of the Holy Spirit happened right at that time. And he began speaking in tongues. And so this kid got saved, baptized in water, delivered from demons and filled with the Holy Spirit in about 40 minutes. It was amazing. And he didn't even look the same. I mean, it was like this darkness just came off of him. And so um, that's what baptism is. It's how powerful it is. It is a threshold for many people to really step over a threshold to walk with Jesus. I know that there's many you know, traditions that believe that you can baptize babies and all that kind of stuff. Scriptures never say anything about that. It says each one of us needs to make their own decision of whether they're going to follow Jesus or not follow Jesus. And it all has to do that, starting with being born again, born of water and the spirit. So it's both. Well, that is incredible, Johnny. I'm, yeah. I've I've heard the story from your lips before, but I've um I'm I'm glad we got to lay this down permanently yeah. on this track. Uh, yeah. Can you go back to the, the living water concept and what that is? Yeah, you know Jesus says this. He says um, in John chapter seven of the Gospel of John, he has something very interesting uh, as he's speaking to. Um, his followers, and it's a very interesting statement here. Let me just get it in context here. He says, <clears throat> he says this, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and he cried out, if any man thirsts, here comes this water issue again, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water, now this he has said about the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive for as yet the spirit had not yet been given because jesus was not yet glorified so what that means is this he says out of your innermost being that's your spirit see god created you body obviously your body your soul that would be your spirit or your your, your emotions your intellect body, soul, and your spirit. Your spirit is your inner man. Your spirit is your heart. Sometimes the Bible interrelates it with heart, sometimes soul. I believe that your soul is your intellect, your emotions, your will is in that realm. So you have your body, your soul, and your spirit. What Jesus wants to do, it's almost like he's bringing jumper cables down into your heart, and he hits you with jumper cables that makes your 
heart come alive. And so you become spiritually alive. That's why the born again experience is such a critical aspect. It's the door to open you to the spiritual dimension with Jesus Christ. It's such a powerful thing. And it separates you from the, all the powers of darkness. I mean, I can tell you when that happened to me, I saw the reality that it was not a many, you know, uh, spokes leading to a hub. It was Jesus Christ. It was, he was the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father, but through him. And so that's when it all kind of consolidated for me. And then I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Okay, so this is this living water that he's talking about. Let me just read that again to you because it's very important. He says, whoever believes in me, as the scripture says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. I have this living water on the inside of me that pours out. It comes from an overflow. It's not some from dead religious ridiculousness. It's from a living fountain that's inside of me. In the Old Testament, G, uh, Jeremiah, the prophet, speaking to the religious system of that day, which was uh, Israel, the southern kingdom of Judah, and he says he's prophesying really against them, and he said something so powerful, Sean. He said, uh, this is what the Lord has against you. You've forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and you've hewed out cisterns, cisterns of men, that can hold no water. You've forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and you've hewed cisterns uh, for your own self to try to bring your own water. And that's what I've seen with the religious systems. You know, even within the denominational structures in, in, in Christianity, you're just going, these are cisterns of men. They have no, no reality at all. The fountain of living water is not flowing through them. I mean, I move on that inspiration not that perspiration. So living water doesn't come in a bottle. It's not, it's not physical. When you're buying the water and you said the guy's going to have the living water, it, it, this, it came out of his spirit in the previous yeah, story. Just right. like you come with so much passion. The passion is that living water that, that that's we're, the, we're, that's we're feeling that's right what, now. In yeah, you. And I, I, I'm almost 70 years old. Okay. I've got a fire in me and I've got a, a percolating river running out of me all the time. I'm motivated by that, not by some obligation or religious deal or, you know, obligation or anything. I am motivated by the love of God that's being spread abroad in my heart. And when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, Sean, it was like somebody dropped a hand grenade on the inside of me and it went kaboom. And the power of God came upon me. And immediately I started to see the power of God move in different circles that I was in. I would lay hands on people, boom, they would get healed. I would cast out demons. Immediately I started casting out demons out of people. And it's quite an interesting thing. A third of Jesus's ministry was casting out of demons. So that's a big part of what we've been doing. I mean, I, I see it at least once a week. And it's coming from that power of the Holy Spirit, I heard somebody say it like this. When you get saved, when you come into being born again, you have the Holy Spirit, okay? The Holy Spirit comes in you. When you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, he has you. And so as many are led by the Holy Spirit, they're the sons of God. And so 
what happens, Sean, is the Holy Spirit gets released in your life. And all of a sudden you become a really a conduit for the presence and the power of, of Jesus here on earth. That's really the reality of it. Because Jesus loves people and he wants to help people and he wants to move people forward and he wants to use his people to do it because we're called the body of Christ. He's the head or the body. And so we want to be available for him. And that's all I've done for my old, you know, since you've known me, right? Well, I mean, just since I've known you, you've been th you've been through a lot and you've always, always remained completely calm and positive and a just a beacon of light to be around at every step of the way. And I, I only I, I said this from experience and I I know why. I mean, it's it's because of your living water. Yeah, it's my living water. That's right. Yeah. So. Anyways, go well, ahead, let's, Sean. Let's, let's go to the, the next one uh, here. Yeah. Uh, so uh, they say there's only two kinds of people who walk on water, surfers mm -hmm. and Jesus. So <laughs> <laughs> t tell me t tell me a little bit about where that where Jesus walking on water comes from. Mm. Yeah, you know, it's so interesting. I think that um, you can imagine, you know, he defies the laws of gravity. He defies everything that we have known or could be familiar with. And I, these are such a abstract things that Jesus was doing. You know what I mean? Uh, turning the water into wine, uh, healing the deaf person, you know, I mean, casting demons out, very powerful supernatural kinds of things. Here's another supernatural event where Jesus walks on water, you know, and Peter sees him and he starts to go out towards him. And I'm sure the first two steps, he was walking on water. If he kept his focus on Jesus, he would have been walking on water. And I always tell people, listen, God wants you to start to walk on water, not in a literal sense, but figuratively, just don't look down. And so the moment that Peter loses his eye to eye contact with Jesus, he's going, hey, wait a second, I'm walking on water. This is freaking me out. You know, he goes right straight into the water, you know. So I think that that it's just another one of these things where Jesus defies this, the natural realm and takes us into the supernatural realm because he's a supernatural person. He's God incarnate. In other words, if you've seen me, he says, you've seen the father. This is Jesus making that kind of a statement. So Jesus was God incarnate. In other words, he was God, fully man, and yet fully God. It's, it's kind of a mystery, isn't it? And yet he defied even death by rising from the dead. So the resurrection is a big part of the whole narrative of who Jesus is. That's a big, that's a big deal. And so Buddha, Muhammad, Yogananda, Confucius, I realize, are still dead and in a grave. Jesus rose from the dead, and he's at the right hand of the Father, ever making intercession for us. And so he's a living God. He's alive. He's not dead. And just as he's alive, so will we be alive at the end of time. And if you don't come and cross over to him, on Judgment Day, if you think you can pay for your sins, good luck. Well, I've been a good person. That ain't going to get it. That ain't going to get it. You need to have 
Jesus's blood covering your sins, period. It's that simple. So the miracle of Jesus walking on water is just another like demonstration of who he was, fully God and fully man. Incredible. Um, the, the next uh, Noah's parting of the Red Sea in the- uh, no, no, that was Moses. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. I'm, I'm mixing my, uh, my notes up here. Moses. Yeah. Part, we'll, we'll get to Noah in a second. But well, they kind of go together because it's it's um, water on earth as a natural calamity. Um, mm -hmm. And and, you know, surfers can relate. Even people who are learning to surf, the ocean is a is a, a beast. Um, and, and the the process of becoming a better surfer is uh, working with the beast. And yeah. these two stories of uh, the flood with Noah and the, the parting of the 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 sea um, are are both incidences where um, I guess the spirit overcomes uh, a nature. Um, so yes. maybe maybe dig a little deeper on that for me. Yeah, well, the, the, we'll start with the uh, Moses and the parting of the Red Sea. There, that was such a powerful um, demonstration. You know, think about it. Moses lifts up a rod, you know, and he is he's got close to some people believe a million people that were making their exodus out of Egypt. That's why they call the that one book in the Bible Exodus, because it was an exit out of Egypt. And it's interesting, they went into Egypt 400 years before this as a family, and they left as a nation. And because of the insecurity of the Egyptians, they put him in slavery. And so they, you know, had to raise up a, a, a kind of a savior type of a person. Let that me pause moving. real quick, if I can, yeah. it, just for context, those who might not be familiar with history, this is the Old Testament. These are Jews, not Christians. Right. Yeah, this is the Old Testament story. Uh, and this is ac actually where the Ten Commandments came out of. And again, the 12 tribes of uh, Jacob who entered into Egypt. It's a, a whole story out, out of the book of um, Deuteronomy and Numbers and Genesis, Deuteronomy, Numbers. You can get the whole story from there. But they went into um, uh, Egypt as a family, the 12 brothers, 12 tribes. Ultimately, 400 years later, they came out as a nation. And so, and, and much of that 400 years was in slavery. And so God raised up a savior type person named Moses. God uses Moses to get him, those people out of Egypt, fleeing after seven plagues were given to the nation of Egypt to warn them, let these people go. So Moses is leading them. Well, now they're at the Red Sea. It took literally the parting of the Red Sea, another miraculous, another powerful kind of a miraculous thing that God would have to intervene on. See, God often brings us to the end of ourselves where he has to bring a supernatural kind of a demonstration of who he is into our lives. I've seen many supernatural demonstrations as, as a result of just like coming to the end of myself. And so God ends up parting the Red Sea to get the people through there. The Egyptians are coming after them behind them in the Red Sea. And then he closes up the Red Sea 
destroys all of them. So yeah, very, very, very powerful kind of a thing. So that was a uh, deliverance and then a judgment. So we have deliverance and judgment. All with water. <laughs> right, right. And um, th this kind of brings me to uh, a, a, maybe a, um, a current question of mine that I, I kind of a whole, I, I kind of know some answers here, but I, I believe a lot of people don't. Um, right now with our present conflict uh, in, in, the, in the Middle East, um, mm -hmm. Jews uh, um, hold a, um, an ancient uh, title to, to the, the, the land they, they currently um, live. Uh, mm -hmm. In the, the times of World War II, the British had it. They gave it to present-day Jews. It's mm -hmm. the heart of the conflict. H however, mm -hmm. um, Christians um, like yourself and uh, many Jews believe it goes back uh, to the beginning. Can you explain this, um, this beginning um, part of the narrative that some, including myself, might not fully understand? Yeah, you know, there's a scripture in uh, Genesis chapter 12 uh, that's very, very powerful. And if you don't mind, I'm just going to read a couple of verses. It says, now the Lord said to Abram, now this is Abraham, soon to be Abraham, but they called him Abram at the very beginning. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. What was that land? That land was that land of Israel. What you know right now is this is Israel. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. This is a very important part of this scripture. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, now this is a really important part, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. You know why? Because God was going to use that group of people, and through that group of people, he was going to send the Messiah. Messiah is an Old Testament term that is means the anointed one. In the New Testament, which the, the Old Testament is written in Hebrew, the New Testament is written in Greek, we would call that Messiah Christ. Jesus' last name is not Christ. It's Jesus, sometimes it's said the Christ or Jesus Christ, which means Jesus the Messiah. So in other words, out of this group of people was going to come the Messiah, the anointed one. That was going to redeem all of mankind from their sins. He was going to be the sacrificial lamb. He was going to be the one that was going to be sacrificed so that the blood of that lamb was going to be able to cover the sins of the people. So one of the things that happened, getting back to the baptism, <coughs> John the Baptist was going to baptize Jesus. Remember that story? He introduces him onto the landscape of humanity. And he says, behold the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. So he introduces him as a lamb. Isn't that interesting? Here comes the lamb. Well, in the Old Testament, because he's, he's addressing the uh, Jewish people, they would sacrifice an unblemished lamb to cover the sins of the people. So the blood of the lamb would cover the sins of the people. And so here comes Jesus the lamb of god who would take away the sins of the world it's not just something that you repeat over and over again it is a reality that you embrace and so this lamb this sacrificial lamb was going to come he it is 
who will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and in fire. So there's another baptism for that living water. Okay, there's a baptism of water for acknowledgement of believing in Jesus. And then there's the baptism. And Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Baptismo is a Greek term that means to be immersed. Okay, immersed. God immerses us in his power with the Holy Spirit. And that's, that's happened to me. It's happened to most of your cousins. <laughs> so, you know, we've had these experiences and the Holy Spirit's been on us very powerfully. But uh, uh, getting back to this whole thing of this conflict, um, this, is a, th this is an ancient conflict that has to do with actually Abraham's, he had two sons. One of them was Ishmael, who kind of, he kind of uh, got ahead of the Lord, him and his, his wife, his wife's, that there was a promise over them that they would have children, a, a child, that his le uh, lineage would move forward, because that was a promise that God had given him. So they came up with an idea to get her handmaiden uh, to have sex with Abraham, and that that would be the way that God would use to, you know, proliferate his his gene pool, so to speak. Well, that was not the game plan. So out of that came Ishmael. Ishmael is the father of the Arab nations. The promise was in Isaac. God, again, just as he parted the Red Sea, as he does everything that he does, he supernaturally impregnates a 90-year-old woman from a 100-year-old man. Can you imagine? So out of that union comes Isaac the promised seed. And out of Isaac comes Jacob. Out of Jacob comes the 12 tribes of Israel. The 12 sons become the 12 tribes. Out of the one of those tribes was out of Judah was going to come the Messiah, the promise for God was going to use that tribe to bring forth Jesus, who would be the son of God. There's over 332 prophetic scriptures that the Messiah would have to fit a certain profile, and Jesus fulfilled every single one of them. It's amazing. It's amazing. And Christians and Jews believe this. This is this is part of the same. Well, this is the problem with the Jews. The scripture says there's a veil still over their eyes. They have a hard time believing that Jesus was the Messiah. So they're still waiting for the Messiah. And, you know, people don't realize, but Christians were been some of the biggest persecutors of the Jews. And so you can imagine just the, 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 just the pain that the Jews feel about, you know, even looking to Jesus as a Messiah, because we've abused the Jews all through history. It's been horrible. The, the, you know, the crusades, the everything, it's been so demeaning to the Jews, you know, but, God is doing a work amongst the Jews. And in the Jesus movement, which I came out of, uh, one of the first groups of people that started coming in to get born again and saved was the Jews. It was amazing. So many Jews got saved in that time period. And so uh, people came out like Jews for Jesus. So very powerful groups of people that even to this day are influencing uh, Christianity. And now you have hundreds and hundreds thousands of believers in Jerusalem that are Jewish believers in Yeshua, that's what the Jewish name is for Jesus, as the Messiah. 
And so there's a very strong, and ultimately, you know, um, God is using this conflict, I think, to get the attention of the Jews again. And there's going to be no peace until the Prince of Peace comes onto the scene. And that's the second coming of Jesus. See, they're still waiting for Jesus, the original Messiah, to come. We're saying he's already come, but he is coming again. That's the second coming of Christ. And that would be around what is called the uh, end of the age. It's the only way I can put it. <laughs> so and we're coming you. towards that. <laughs> and you do believe that it, not, this is your perspective that, that it's coming? Oh, yeah. That's mine and many others. Yeah. I mean, from a scriptural perspective, I can see we're even the time clock of before uh, 1948, the time that you're talking about where Israel became a nation again, commentators would read passages like out of Ezekiel 38, 36, 37, 38, and they say somehow, this is pre-1948, uh, if you read their commentary, commentaries, you would, you, they would say somehow we don't see how this could happen, but Israel will have to be back in the land and they will have to become a nation again in their land. But we don't see how that could ever happen. And then comes World War II, the Holocaust, which, by the way, Holocaust means burnt offering. Something that atrocious, that outrageous happened. And by the way, what happened in Gaza uh, with the uh, Hamas hasn't happened since the Holocaust. There hasn't been that many people slaughtered, men, women, and children, since that time period. So... You know, this is just atrocious what has happened. And but this goes back to that that feud between the two brothers, Isaac and Ishmael. And so there is no such claim as Palestinian. Nobody there's no bloodline of Palestinians. They're Arabs. OK, Palestinians. It came from the word the uh, from really the root word Philistines. And it was back in the. Uh, 135 when uh, uh, I forget the Roman emperor, he, there was a rebellion that rose up in Israel. They crushed him and crushed the whole nation and just changed the whole name because they wanted to humiliate the, the, uh, the Jews. And so they renamed it Philistia, which actually is the Latin word for uh, Philistines because that was the nemesis of Israel. And they renamed that whole area Philistia, which is Palestine. From that point in time on, it was just called Palestine. So, you know, there is no such a group of people called Palestinians. There's no bloodline of people. They're Arabs. How do you uh, perceive Jesus comes back? Do you, or do you possibly believe he's already here? No, no, no. He's coming back from the clouds. And the the there's a time period called the great tribulation that is going to hit us it's a seven year period it's out of the book of daniel out of the book of revelations and it is going to be horrific and all signs are pointing to that time period and jesus refers to it will be like the times of noah it'll be like in the times of noah they were giving they were giving in marriage, they were eating, they were drinking. It'll be just like the times of Noah. Let's go back to Noah for just one second. 
God used that time period to flood the earth because of the abominations that were happening in mankind at that time. At that time, people were living up to 900 years. Can you imagine? Dude, I'm looking at 70. I'm hoping I can clock out of here about, you know, like 80, something like that. You know, get me out of here, man. I'm ready to meet Jesus face to face. I'm looking forward to the other side. Um, but uh, what happened was there was an interesting thing that happened, Sean, which would take a full hour in itself to, to describe. But it says the uh, sons of God, which has a connotation to the angelic beings, intermingled with the daughters of Adam. So in other words, there was angels that came and they had sex with women on the earth. And out of them came a group of people called the Nephilim. Interesting group when you read this. And this is this brought about this race of people that uh, are called giants. You know, they were like, uh, for instance, uh, Goliath was part of that whole deal. But I, let me just read it to you really quickly. It's really quite interesting what the Lord says about this. And this has always been a grievous thing for me to read. Uh, it says this out of Genesis 6, 5. He says, the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intention of his thoughts of his heart was only evil continuum. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot man out whom I've created from the face of the land and man and animals and creeping things of the heavens. And I'm sorry that I've made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. So God seems to always pull out a remnant. And so uh, just as it was like in the days of Noah, God caused a flood to absolutely decimate and wipe out all of mankind because of the wickedness of this transaction that happened between the daughters of men and this angelic host. And I believe that these demons I'm casting out of people now, they're part of the disembodied spirits of those Nephilim. That's what I believe. I know that's a lot to put into this little segment here, but you know, I'm just, uh, th those are my thoughts. And Getting back to uh, the time that we're at right now, I believe that the Lord is quickening things and that there is a quickening spiritually of things. And we're going to see a big end time harvest of people coming in to Jesus and really surrendering their lives to him. People like you, Sean, that are kind of like spiritual, open, uh, don't have that much resistance towards Jesus, but you kind of your worldview is still kind of... Uh, a little bit new agey, you know, kind of like, oh, all the spokes lead to the hub and blah, blah, blah. No, there's a repentance God is calling us to. He's calling us into his kingdom, into his purposes, into the things that he's originally made you for, you know. And uh, you've had plenty of people around you that have spoken to you about Jesus throughout your life, not just me, but others. And so you've been, but you're still on the outside looking in. And I think that God is about ready to pull many like yourself from the outside into the reality of this living water that's flowing. The living water that you've been delivering has been mm -hmm. uh, not only intense, but very enlightening from the new age that I speak. And yeah, um, yeah it, this has uh, been, been really incredible, Johnny. I, I yeah. 
I can't thank you enough for for being with me. No, I love throughout my life and 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 today for yeah. for all to to enjoy here. You know, Sean, I really believe the Lord led you at three o'clock in the morning, the other morning, to to have me come and share some of these things because I know our, the whole family will be watching this. So you know, everybody wake up. No, no one, no one ready. knows. No one knows but Cornelia that this is even happening right now. So they, they will know. They will know. Soon. I know. But I, I put yeah. the word out. Okay. Oh, you did. <laughs> nice. Well, hopefully yes. I can cut it before yeah. Sunday and, uh, and, and it can be on the uh, all platforms before then. <laughs> Spotify, YouTube, oh, Apple Podcasts. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Just put it out there, brother, because God's using you. So well, I, realize but, but, or not, God's using you. He is. I'm. I'm a medium. Um. I can't explain much in my life. I just know that I'm. I am very blessed, and I am a, probably one of the luckiest people I've ever met. So, um, I before I before I let you go, Johnny. Um, I end all podcasts with this question. Well, what is the meaning of life? Hmm. Outside of what I started with Pascal, he says inside of us is a God-shaped vacuum. If you don't have a reality with who God is. You can't know who you are. He's created you. You have a creator that created you. And he made you a certain way. You can only find your purpose as you come into a reality with him. And I think that truth and reality are synonymous terms. I think that what people are looking for is truth and reality. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. So he is our truth and our reality. I am overflowing with the love of God and purpose in my life because of my connection to who God is. And I know him and I know him well. And I can hear his voice and I'm being led by his Holy Spirit, just like you are. You didn't realize that three in the morning, but you were obedient to that. So I would say that that's the meaning of life, Sean, coming into a reality with God. And it's only through Jesus that you can do that. It's not through Mohammed, Yogananda, or any of these other guys. Well, Johnny, on that note, thank you very much for joining us on this episode 19 of Speaking from Water. And um, I love you very much. Thanks, thank you for joining us. You. Thank you, brother. Bless you. Bless you.